This episode of Dollars and Cents is brought to you by T-Mobile Puerto Rico, Oriental, Walmart Puerto Rico, and Amy Taylor Fernandez voiceovers. Hey everyone, this is Michelle Cantrovasquez and I am the founder and editor of News Is My Business, an online news site based in San Juan about Puerto Rico's business community. Today, we want to welcome Janice Petrovich, Executive Director of the Red de Fundaciones, or Funders Network, and author of a report entitled Philanthropy in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. We'll discuss how natural disasters like Hurricanes Irma and Maria put the island on the philanthropic map and in the implications for the future. Thank you for your time, Ms. Petrovich. Please tell us about the Puerto Rico Funders Network. Um, how many organizations does it group, and how does it work um, to further philanthropy in Puerto Rico? Sure. The Puerto Rico Funders Network, uh, called La Red de Fundaciones de Puerto Rico, is an organization that is going on 10 years old now. It was developed by the major grant-making foundations of Puerto Rico, and um, the purpose is to strengthen philanthropy, to learn from each other, to encourage philanthropic giving in Puerto Rico, and to increase knowledge about philanthropy. In addition, uh, because all of the foundations that make grants in Puerto Rico tend to do so to nonprofit groups, uh, we also have the purpose of trying to strengthen the capacity of the nonprofit sector in Puerto Rico. Okay, and so according to the report, after Hurricanes Irma and Maria in 2017, um, donations uh, for the island came in from multiple sources, including the existing foundations, new foundations, individuals, celebrities, and other groups, right? So, you know, how, how that's a lot going on at the same time. How can you um, work together and organize yourselves to get things done? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think it's important um, for people to realize that this was the first time that philanthropy arrived in Puerto Rico in, in such massive quantities, both in terms of monetary resources, in terms of people on the ground, and in terms of in-kind donations to Puerto Rico. And so there was a lot happening. Uh, and after the disaster, shortly after the disaster, everyone was concerned about human lives. So most of the grant making had to do with making sure that people had the basics, uh, which meant water and food, clothing, and electricity for those who needed it for medical reasons. So there was a lot of movement around solar cells, uh, around generators, um, and providing diesel to old folks' homes and such so that they could power the generators and keep people safe. Now, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, subsequently, after the disaster and after things began to stabilize and water began uh, running again in Boston and here and there, electricity began uh, to to be connected, reconnected, it, it was obvious that uh, we were needing to invest over the long haul in 
three buildings were illegal. The hurricane actually devastated the island. It, um, people have seen the statistics, how many homes were lost, mm. how many trees were fell, um, and how many people died. So once the disaster was over, part of what philanthropy attempted to do was to talk to each other, to try to align grant making so we wouldn't all be stepping on each other's toes. Right. The, the overlapping thing, there there wasn't that much overlapping then? Uh, there, there was so, so much need that there was room for everyone. Mm. But certainly uh, it is always good for foundations to try to understand what each other is doing. And we have, uh, after some months, um, after the hurricane, uh, made the very very uh, targeted efforts to bring funders to the pain table to talk about what our priorities are. And we've done that um, in many ways that I can talk to you about. Now, let me ask you something, because I read the report, um, and I know that it says that there really isn't a final um, count on how much money came in. Um, but do you have any kind of an assessment? Because that's always the question, you know, how much money came in and how was it used? And more more than that, um, how how is it being monitored um, so it gets to the people in need? Well, you've asked me um, a few questions there, so let me begin with how much money came in. Uh, we will never be able to know how much money came in because money flows in so many different ways. Okay. It, it flows from pariente to pariente, from, from family members to family members. Mm -hmm. It flows from churches to churches. It flows from nonprofit organizations to nonprofits, from foundations, uh, local, national. Uh, many organizations set up funds. Many individuals set up funds. The people in the diaspora in places where there are a lot of Puerto Ricans, like Washington, D.C., uh, Massachusetts, set up funds. And these funds were channeled in lots of different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, help for individuals, uh, help for, um, let's say, support for organizations that were helping uh, during the crisis. Mm -hmm. um, some of it was channeled through local foundations, uh, many national foundations and funds uh, supported uh, other funds mm -hmm. that were locally based uh, because local foundations had their gear on the ground, but we, as uh, the network of foundations, had a fund, have a fund called Forward Puerto Rico Fund, which mm -hmm. became an intermediary, a funding vehicle for national foundations that didn't have uh, people here and feet on the ground, um, and for uh, thousands of individuals who wanted to contribute to Puerto Rico. Our study actually looks at just 41 of the major sources of funds, okay. of monetary contributions that we were able to identify. And those sources we know, were, were foundations themselves, or, or what were they? Some were. Uh -huh. uh, of the 41 entities that we studied, a number of them were national foundations okay. and local foundations. Okay. But the majority were funds that were created, I some see. by nonprofit groups, uh, some by foundations themselves, uh, but it, this was an interesting phenomenon uh, in, of the philanthropic response. The creation of funds 
And I think that was facilitated by the fact that there are now all of these online products that people can use for donations. So a lot of folks set up online giving um, tools, and people were able to contribute using their credit card mm-hmm. and using PayPal, different kinds of countries. And, and even crowdfunding, right? That was another way. Yes, crowdfunding. And so most funds that were created, and of the 41 entities that we studied, uh, 26 were funds, and many of them were crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one particular one, which is very impressive, the Hurricane Maria Fund that was developed by the Center for Popular Democracy mm-hmm. um, had 200,000 individual donors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we at the Forward Fund had nearly 2,000. Uh, and there were other funds that had tens of thousands of individual donors. Um, I'm reading. I'm. Was, I'm actually uh, reading. Uh, reading. Yes. I'm actually reading the list um, of the funds that were established, and some of the names are really interesting because a lot of them are are, are were or are new um, to our you know our our circumstance, our our environment. Red Ventures is one of them that pops out. Um, Bravo Family Foundation. Um, that's another one. And of course, one that's known by so many, which is the Flamboyant Foundation um, uh, for the Arts, right? Um, you know, and, and I mentioned Red Ventures, and it says that they, they have a, a $100 million fund, right? And so, this is a, uh-huh. This is a, um, one of the characteristics of giving was the activation of the diaspora. Mm. Puerto Ricans living outside of Puerto Rico, many of them in the United States, uh, responded uh, very dramatically to to the disaster. Uh, the fellow who heads up Red Ventures is a Puerto Rican entrepreneur, um, and he committed a hundred million dollars of uh, funds to help uh, prepare individuals. So these are, in a sense, scholarships for young people who wish to learn the skills to become entrepreneurs. And there is an open application process on their webpage and so on. So uh, this was the largest amount that we could identify that was committed. Um, and that was just one company at Red Ventures. In the case of our second biggest fund, which was the Hispanic Federation mm-hmm. Fund, which at that time, I remember all of our numbers are of September 2018, one year after the mm-hmm. hurricane. Many of these funds have continued to, to grow and uh, donations have continued to flow. So mm-hmm. this is a, a, a um, snapshot in time. Uh, but as I was saying, the second biggest fund is the Hispanic Federation uh, Fund, which um, raised $43 million mm-hmm. as of September 2018. Uh, and this was a fund that was that lots of people contributed to individuals. And we had, of course, the Manuel Miranda, who has ties to the Hispanic Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, his, the two songs that he composed, and uh, he got many other celebrities to, to become a part of the, the video of these songs. All of those proceeds um, were uh, for uh, Puerto Rico. So yeah. uh, celebrities also were very important in the response, and Hispanic Federation uh, benefited largely from, particularly from Manuel Miranda's um, extraordinary contribution. Well, and he did it twice, because not only did he contribute to the Hispanic Federation, but, you know, he set up one of his own. 
Um, that's yes, in fact, um, he, there are these two very big funds uh, which have you know, like, you know, the imprint on them. One is the uh, Hispanic Federation, and the other is the Flamboyant uh, Fund for the Arts. Flamboyant yeah. uh, and uh, Emmanuel uh, partnered to develop a $15 million fund for the arts, mm -hmm. which was um, enriched in many ways by Emmanuel's performances mm -hmm. uh, here in the role, in the principal role of Hamilton. Um, which, as you know, he was no longer doing in New York. He had stepped down from that role, and so he reprised that role uh, for the benefit of this fund and mm -hmm. of all of us who were mm -hmm. enough to see it. Right. No, and it was it was an astounding response from the people. I mean, he was sold out from day one. Um, yeah, I was reading in line electronically and got bumped, and I thought I wasn't going to be able to see it, and then. Uh, ticket surface uh, later. Yeah. Subsequently, that I, I was able to, to go, but it, 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 I, was, I was, it was it was an amazing um, initiative, and his father was also very active with that. I think that had a lot to do with it. And and speaking of his father, he met with the governor um, yesterday, which leads me to the next question. Um, philanthropy has become. Um, very important in the wake of the hurricane, something that you've established, right? Um, but how long do you foresee the efforts continuing? You mentioned something about a shift from just philanthropy to social justice. So can you talk to me a little bit about how it'll move you know, forward? People who study philanthropic responses to disasters uh, note that Individuals who are inspired to give after a disaster uh, will, once the, the emergency subsides, uh, will be less and less likely to contribute again to, the, to that particular uh, disaster. Okay. So the expectation is that individual contributions will wane. However, uh, one of the really important um, aspects of the philanthropic response after Hurricane Maria is that national foundations arrived mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico and those that were here confirmed their continued commitment uh, to Puerto Rico. So many foundations who may be funded sporadically here and there uh, or maybe made rather modest investments uh, are now here and have committed to being here for the least, at least the medium term. It, because philanthropic organizations, that is foundations, have as their primary role making grants, it's really important that they stay mm. because individuals come and go and individuals may well respond more to a disaster. But foundations have as part of their mission to make grants uh, that help to promote their priorities, which tend to be social justice priorities, mm -hmm. tend to be uh, helping the most vulnerable populations, and so on. So having them stay will be really important for Puerto Rico. They can, in fact, uh, stay over the long haul. Foundations are known to make 10-year commitments to places and mm -hmm. initiatives in Orleans, for example, after Hurricane Katrina. A whole bunch of foundations have been funding for what is now 13 years. 
Let me ask you something. Because of this movement now, do you consider that the local foundations that, which, I mean, to be honest, are usually the first on the ground um, after a disaster, do they now have, do they now have a cushion, you know, so that they can, you know, act even quicker than they did um, after Maria? Because Maria was a blow. I mean, it was, it was stunning. So, you know, do you think that the local foundations are better prepared now? Um, uh, the local foundations and the local nonprofit organizations, the community-based groups, were in fact uh, the first on the ground. And foundations um, supported many of these groups in many ways. Uh, they actually uh, distributed diesel to nonprofit groups They um, so that they could power generators. They um, we chronicle some of that in the study. So, and people can see some of the examples. Uh, food, water was distributed by different um, foundations. And the nonprofit groups that were on the ground, and a lot of these folks worked 24 7 for weeks on end uh, and were very strung out. Uh, we, in the, uh, through the Forward uh, Puerto Rico Fund, uh, funded a, a bunch of these groups uh, with emergency grants that were pretty much general operating grants that they could put towards whatever they thought their community needed. And we evaluated um, those grants at the end of the uh, grant period and um, confirmed something that we do, uh, and it is that most non-profit organizations don't have a, a, let's say, a rainy day fund, mm -hmm. a reserve that they can draw on when there is an emergency. And as a result, uh, they end up doing a lot of uh, volunteer work, uh, making uh, uh, heroic efforts to try to serve uh, and help their community. So one of the things that we decided to do with the funds that we brought in through the Forward Puerto Rico Fund is to help a set of these organizations create re emergency reserve funds. Uh, we made those grants uh, a month ago, and, and what we did was uh, we we made grants up to a hundred thousand dollars, which is a pretty significant amount mm -hmm. uh, for for some organizations. The the reserve funds were, were uh, based on the budget, and we're trying to give them six months of cushion. In mm -hmm. many cases, we couldn't because their budgets were too big, but but uh, they still have a hundred thousand dollar cushion, mm -hmm. which they can use for a for a future emergency. So let's say may we not have the misfortune of having another uh, tragedy uh, soon, but uh, were something to happen, uh, including you know some kind of big rainstorm mm -hmm. and their roof flooded, they could use those funds to get themselves back on their feet and buy their computers and clean out mm -hmm. um, and until their insurance money comes, let's say. So uh, the idea is that these funds can be used, but they should be replenished because we want them to, to uh, continue to save for emergencies. Mm -hmm. So they shouldn't just uh, you know, uh, spend the money. They should 
spend it when they need it and replenish it as soon as they can. And be ready always, right? I mean, yeah, it helps them to to be in a better position to be ready. The the study is is very extensive. It's it's um I'm we're gonna be posting it online for our listeners to be able to download. Um, and, and, and I'm just wondering if there's going to be a part two or, or some sort of, um, a second, um, study for, for other issues that may not have been covered. I think you mentioned that there was going to be, a, um, um, another part, right? Yes. Um, we, we want to get out a, a sort of a short lesson for philanthropy, you know, what have we learned in the, in the disaster. Uh, what have we learned about making grants uh, following a disaster, and and uh, you know how is it that that um, foundations should target their grants based on uh, the steps uh, right. that uh, uh, locations go through after a disaster? So the first step, of course, is the emergency, and and there very important to provide relief as soon as you can. There, you know, even advisory mistake. Uh, then comes uh, more of a recovery uh, period, and and that's followed by the rebuilding period. Each of these uh, periods require grant makers to think differently about their investments, and that is something that we've given some thought to and hope to be able to produce uh, a report shortly that talks about. Ms. Petrovich, thank you so much for spending time with us today and for sharing your knowledge on this on this topic, which really is significant um, for for Puerto Rico, and it actually has been for, for quite a while. Um, I think the philanthropic se uh, sector, the nonprofits, the grassroots play an important role and often um, step in when the government can't, right? And so... It's um, it's an it's a topic that should be front and center, and I appreciate your um, your input on this. Thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. I just want to say that had it not been for the nonprofit sector, uh, the thousands of deaths that we had um, following the hurricane would have been certainly in the tens of thousands. Uh, it was the nonprofit organizations that were out, it was the neighbors helping neighbors that helped us to survive. Uh, this horrible disaster. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you have a topic you would like to hear us discuss in this space, please send us an email to news at newsismybusiness.com with your suggestions. Until next time. This episode of Dollars and Cents was brought to you by T-Mobile Puerto Rico Oriental. Walmart Puerto Rico, and Amy Taylor Fernandez voiceovers.